Hello, this is The Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Guys, we're kind of in a new season, um, a new season where God is really, really just stirring us and bringing us to a certain kind of understanding and awareness um, and music is a spiritual thing sometimes we want to think that we need to feel it to do it right? but sometimes you just have to do it um, so we, we started an interesting series right um, we were talking about Joseph and two, two Wednesdays ago we started to show the patterns of his life as something that we can learn from, the patterns of his life, it's not very far apart. And on Sunday, I'll do a quick recap. I, we, we started sensing that God has a desire to bring Africa into a certain understanding because Africa as a continent has suffered the most from slavery to colonialism. And in fact, what we have embraced on one level is a colonized, is a colonized gospel. And then there is the colonized gospel that was now further Africa Americanized. And when it was Americanized with all American trappings and SSCs, we now further Africanized the Americanized, decolonized gospel. So it's a triple jeopardy, if you ask me. But the, 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 context of, um, the context of the way we need to now approach the gospel is to understand that if your interpretation of the Bible is what happened 2,000 years ago at the outskirts of Jerusalem, you're only seeing half a picture. And I don't think God wanted us to spend the rest of our life frozen in time, obsessed about what happened in Jerusalem because Jerusalem was an event that was speaking of the reality that we are now going to work in. So Christ didn't just crucify, he didn't just die. There is a resurrected Christ. And who is the resurrected Christ? Who is the resurrected Christ? It's actually us, right? So you know how Paul described it? We participated in his death, burial, and resurrection. Some people participated in his death and burial, but not in his resurrection. Their gospel stopped at burial. So, but Romans 8.14, Paul says, that same spirit that quickened Christ from the dead, if that spirit be in you, it will quicken your mortal bodies to come alive. You must make room for that spiritual essence that you are. Is All that you are is not all that appears. You're more than all that meets the eyes. You know, there was this quote that someone said that um, the world is not as it seems. What fools this mortal be? The world is not as it seems. So people just reduce the entire sense of the world. But today we're diving a bit into the life of Joseph. So what we established was there are five patterns in the life of Joseph. We spoke about the plates of his tunic of colors. So tunic of colors speaks of the love, the adornment, the raiment. So Joseph loved him so much. Joseph made for him a tunic of many colors. And that particular tunic of many colors became the endowment. It wasn't with his contribution. He was just given. And we established that Africa is the most resourced continent, the richest in the world. In fact, what we have in terms of the continent is so rich that it is still a tragedy. We can't do much of it. So when you go into the pits, I spoke about the 1985 Berlin Conference where Africa became the chessboard. And Africa was shared amongst the, the Francophone countries, the Anglophone countries. And today, those are ideological bends that is still pressing into your thinking today. Why would many Nigerians feel that their best shot of succeeding in life is if they escape this place and go somewhere else? That mere fact that you believe your best is not here, this place has nothing for you, was programmed into you. And life would deliver on you that promise. 
If you believe this place has nothing to give you, you set up yourself to fail. We come to life believing that we have everything it takes to succeed. When God encountered Abraham, God was not about telling Abraham a place to take him to. God said, I will make you a great nation. Where Abraham was became great because he was, he knew who he was. And a heightened sense of identity will unlock places for you. Places reflect who we are. We name places, we give places their essence. So you must take back the idea that Canada is your future. Now, if you want to go there, I don't have a problem. But I must help you here. If they didn't do what they needed to do in their country, you're not going to enter flights. Why are you not going to, uh, what's this other one? These are our neighbors. Chad, why are you not going there? Because those ones, have, they, 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 nobody, they, they've not gotten it together. But if they, but you know America was bloody, right? Although I'm very careful with American nationalism because those ones too, they have another issue. But that one is another day. So I, but at the end of the day, men actually fought for civil liberty, for, for everything that they enjoy today. I'm actually saying that if your dream for your life is just that, okay, Father, I just want to love you and know you, I'm not too sure that you're seeing the bigger picture. The kingdom of God, it's really what it is, that God invades you, dwells in you, and through you, the world. So there are two things. You are called to do ministry, but you're also committed into your hands what Paul calls the ministry of reconciliation. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, we reconcile to God, I've been given the ministry of reconciliation. The way we understand ministry of reconciliation, we think is about just winning the souls. That's not so... That's not actually all there is. So it's important to share the message of love and help people discover their belovedness. That's salvation. The gospel is about helping people discover their belovedness. So if your gospel is predicated on people's worthlessness and how lost they are, you're preaching a gospel that is not gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ was established on the fact that God was so you worthy of his affection and became a man so that he could invade the distance and reveal to you the essence of his heart. God wasn't about putting you down the gospel of putting people down, condemning them, that one is dated and has to end. But that's what Africans are exporting now. Because the colonial masters mixed that gospel. They needed it. It was perfect for the diet. They needed to inoculate you. So some of you were inoculated. They inoculated greatness out of you. Inoculated any sense of esteem. And what you took as a gospel was actually a colonial master putting chains on your neck. So they tell you that you have to fear because in the fearing of the Lord, you obey him. So words like fear and obedience became the thing because it was defined by rules, not by relationship. So the gospel that many people have embraced today is a colonial extraction. How, how do you tell me that a gospel, is, a gospel that is predicated on the fact that you, you have to be afraid because your master will come any day and you're in trouble? So, you know, people got into born again trying to escape hell because the master has a hell place for you. So this gospel of, of all the brokenness that is predicated on your worthiness, my brother, was and was actually an invention of the last 500 years. If you go back in time, the first century, Athanasius and all those guys that began the first century church, the gospel was predicated on love. The gospel was predicated on the Trinity, the fact that God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit chose to dwell amongst us. So when they came with, to us with the gospel of fear, Nigerians, we got born again in mass because we knew Amadioha. And Amadio and Shongo had painted a picture of a God that must be feared and dreaded. And then the, the colonial masters brought a version of God that was not very far, but in fact was actually a throne sitting in Amadio. The thing was that he sometimes will show you love. But how do you become intimate with a God that will tell you, brother, I died for you. I had to die for you. But you know, I love you. But if you don't listen to the fact that I came and died for you, you go suffer. So the way it is that I will strip you naked and send you to hell. You were born in eternity because the hardness of your heart could not see that I loved you. 
So, but we have this dissonance that we swept neatly under our carpets. How do you want to spend eternity with a God you don't know that is love? You know, I, I remember one secondary school where the principal that I went to, the, the man was actually the principal from hell. I'm sorry, online. But this particular principal perfected the art of humiliation and flogging and all those things. Nobody wanted, when the man, if the man is coming like this, everybody has disappeared. Because you cannot be caught. The word was loitering. <laughs> I've not seen that word in a while since I, but it was such a common cry. All of you loitering around. And then you now crawl, walk across the lawn. So, the, the, you know, no, when you, imagine when the person, um, um, the principal wants to see us. <laughs> so everybody's scared. The principal wants to see us. Now, if that picture is what you have of God, you've missed the point. Let me give you the God that Jesus painted for us. First of all, what we find in Christ was a God that was so benevolent, was a God that was magnanimous in mercy. In fact, if Jesus, I keep telling you guys here, Old Testament prophets were good at killing. But many of them that killed did not kill because God wanted them to kill. It was all they knew. And it was what they felt was right because there was no fundamental human right. There was no rule of law. So if you want my wife, I want your wife. More fights. Give me a give me knife. So that was how it works. It was kill or be killed. But if you use a primordial thinking of killed and be killed and project it on God, you miss the point. God is not a God that demands violence. God suffered at our violence so that he could end it. He obtained violence. He didn't demand it. Violence was a human language. Cain showed us God had no part in it. Cain killed his brother, neatly buried him. Went about with an after party and Jesus, God said, Cain, I'm looking for Abel. He hasn't called me this morning. Any idea where Abel is? Cain said, uh, well, I'm not my brother's keeper, God. You should know better. And God even loved the killer, put his feet on his neck and said, Cain, you've done such a terrible thing. He had one king. Hate is coming close to your heart. Be careful because if, you don't, if you're not careful, this hate will consume you. Cain did not understand it until he killed his brother. And after he did that, God even said, okay, Cain, the thing about you is that you already have brought blood upon your hand. And you now have a consciousness because of this that somebody will kill you. And that consciousness will become a reality. But what about if I do this? I'll put a seal on you so no one will kill you. How do you protect a murderer and you don't think he's grace, grace, gracious? God was always gracious long before there was grace. Jesus did not make him gracious. He has always been gracious. Oh, tell me, tell me about Abraham. Abraham wasn't such a courageous man like some of us think he is. But about what they lied twice that his wife was his sister. If at one night, the king almost made it to the bed. But in his dream, the Lord would wake him up and say, please return that prop. That is not yours. That's someone's wife. And the man drove Abraham out of town. He said, see how you risk my life. But whatever played out in that particular scene, that is to show you Abraham wasn't that strong. Then we had a deal. God said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. It was taking too long. There is a sense that um, Sarah must have seen him cast a few glances at Haggai, 70. Things doesn't just pluck off from the air. If he wasn't passing subtle glances at Sarah, he wouldn't have been dodged very quickly. In fact, it was almost like permissive will. There's, Abraham, have you considered my, 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 my mate, Haggai? Haggai? No, the speed was shocking. It was, it was, you know, that kind of, I, you know, I, I've been married for a while. Guys, uh, so guys, I'll give you some notes when it's time. <laughs> Jeffrey, you need a test book, but we'll, we'll get through that. But at the end of the day, um, here is what played out. Um, do you know some days, your wife will just tell you something. Is what they are saying is not what they are saying. No? 
Wisdom 101. So if she's, if she's like, um, you're like, ah, they're maybe they're watching Friends season two. Ah, baby, these friends, are they all, are they all dead? Ah, no, um, should, should I change it? Well, if you, if you, if you want to, well, friends, these guys have been around for 20 years. They should go get a life. You know, Netflix has a way of going back to bring your past and wait for you. <laughs> and, and lock you up. You understand? They're just sitting down there from Gilmore Girl to friends like, oh my God, this is such memories. Time passes by. But anyway, when your wife says, you can, eh, well, maybe you should change it. Man, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. Pass the test. Said, sister, you know, I enjoy when you enjoy. <laughs> How about me joining you in this cuddle evening of suya and wine as we watch Friends? Before you carry it and go to TED Talk and be, and be looking for people analyzing, analyzing things. She said, isn't this too intense for an evening? But guess what? Sarah just mistakenly mentioned it to Abraham. Like, Abraham, have you... The, the, the speed Abraham used to enter house, it'd be like say something else. But at the end of the day, Sarah got frustrated because, she, you know, one day okay, Sarah was like, she's disrespecting me now because of you. That's to show you that she didn't mean it. Yeah. She now said, see what you have done to me. And Abraham quickly dodged. Abraham said, well, well you know, she's your maid. How, how about you deal with her the way you want? You know, and then he was hoping that, Bosha, whatever the case, Agai found herself alone in the, in the forest or in this lonely place crying. Guess who showed up? God, shut up. You know, a slave girl, a side chick to the man of God. No, if, you, if you know, you know, people were expecting God to say, you side chick, why did you tempt the man of God like that? Fallout. That would have been, just imagine the picture, say, did you try to destroy the ministry of Abraham International? <laughs> a ministry that is doing good, Sarah, fallout, fallout, 12 strokes. God didn't do that though. You understand? But some people, that's how they say, and all these men of God, when it's not, is this side chick? You know, so God just showed up and said, Oh, hey guy, I will bless your child. Clean your eyes. He will be a wild child, daughter. But I'll bless him. He will have wealth. He will have much. How about you go home and make peace with your, mo your mother? She will be fine. Just go home. God was loving long before there was anything people could understand as love. Sarah laughed one time. God told her that, Sarah, for a second, you are going to have a child. She busted out laughing. She said, Sarah, did you laugh at me? Sarah said, well, I didn't lie, John. <laughs> and God said, well, moving on, 12 months from now, we should be seeing a laughter called Isaac. And I'm, I'm, that laughter will be his name to prove a point. <laughs> and it happened. But you, so they are, you, at the end of the day, so what do we do with all those parts of the Bible that you see somebody telling you that God, there was a time God had a conversation with Abraham. He said, Abraham, destruction is coming to Sodom and Gomorrah. But I want, I want, I need you to get your guy out of there. Please, Abraham was like, is that five? Is that 10? There was this conversation that went on. The reality is that your belief, what you think God is, will be your experience. Some people every night, them are village people. Oh. Yes, yeah, so. Do you not have village people too? Do you not have village people? No, cloud of witness. <laughs> cloud of witness applauding me every night. David is there, sitting close. Paul, they're all clapping. I say, oh, Freddy, have a good night. So there's cloud of witness. So I, I don't know that um, Amario had people. The lineage of grace is the one I'm doing. 
Okay, guys, let's get into this conversation today. So we are going into um, Genesis 50, um, 45. Now, we had established the fact that Joseph was also a pattern for us. And if you were born into a family that didn't understand how to nurture and raise a child, many times you get, you get all those backhand compliments that today strip you of your confidence. So we need, some of us need healing because the confidence was stripped out. Your mother did a good job at it. She didn't know that she was stripping you of confidence. You understand? They compared you with your younger sister that was hotter and your elder brother that was smarter and your middle born. You had neither fine nor smart. But the Lord has come for you today. You're healed. No, no. But apparently you understand uniqueness. Most of them were raised in an era where they had to perform to attain. Their, their entire pursuit, their life was lived out to attain, achieve. They transferred that to you. They wanted to live vicariously through you. So some of you, you can't believe that when we went to school, I was obsessed about first class. Obsessed. See how we crying. Because it just, the God, my God just died. Yes, I couldn't handle C. Because it has to be A. Then you enter this unhealthy competition. And then God will not give you those lecturers that will say, nobody has graduated with first class in this department for the past 10 years. <laughs> and this will tell you, all of you, that, uh, you know, because some of you guys have spent time chasing all the girls on campus. First class will be far from you. And, and then you'll be, your hand will be more my head chest. Because all, all you were told is that you are your grades. And do you know that Harvard is in a crisis? Harvard is in a crisis. The two people that dropped out became the richest. <laughs> they didn't complete too. and they've been giving speeches yes and you know their speeches are actually very interesting because you see when Bill Gates shows up or Mark Zuckerberg said well I didn't graduate <laughs> what a way to start a speech and all those MBA they've done it for, they were all sitting there tell me how you made it you know but suddenly Harvard had to pander to them like they were around <laughs> But they didn't complete. Even Steve Jobs was not entering class. You know, Steve Jobs, he was calivanting. He didn't pay school fees. He was entering the, his course of study. He would go from calligraphy. Only when he, he was in calligraphy. One day he, he zuzzled into calligraphy class and showed up in calligraphy class and they were doing fonts. Then he, one day he sat and he was, they were talking about, um, 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 he just said, ah, let me borrow from calligraphy and put in there. So can you see that sometimes the many things that you don't see, why don't you just trust the process? Why don't you think that you must figure it all out? That paranoia of trying to figure it out is in itself an idle problem. Because you were not meant to figure it out, you were meant to enjoy the adventure of life as it unfolds. So the God can call you to do something, maybe chicken now go and be a school teacher. Chicken will not hear that one because if it's not Bitcoin, it's not, it's not the Lord. <laughs> Okay, let's look at, um, let's look at, um, so we're, we're here, and today I want to talk about why if God has called you, as you work with God in your journey, in your Christian journey, you must be careful not to let your experience become your theology. I mean, there is a sense that, and when I talk about experience, I'm not talking about that's your intimate experience, I'm talking about the painful ones that formed, don't let the painful, broken experiences become your theology. Do you know, an entire church one day decided that they won't see the neck of a woman. Do you know that? Yes. Now, whatever the case, it took 30 years to apologize. But people are refusing to un unveil their neck. The neck was neatly tucked in them. Um, and this is a country where there is heat. 
So you now have to use all of those things. So, and then you have to apply something so that the hair will not tempt. Anyway, but since mannequins are tempting men, maybe, maybe it wasn't such a bad idea back then. No, well, but my point is, it was somebody's preference that became a dogma. At first, maybe the person just have a thing for neck. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. No, sorry. No, no but my point is, all these guys are laughing. They only know the one that is doing them. It's not. But whatever the case, the idea was protect, cover it. And suddenly, your, the preference has become dogma. Do you know most of, most of the things that people are holding on to, even much of what Paul struggled with back in the day, whether a woman should teach or a woman should not teach, Paul was clear. He was speaking of it as a, an opinion. He would tell you that, left to me, I think a woman shouldn't preach. And the reason why he was saying that was because women were not very educated in theology. Those things were mostly a male affair. So women were not, it was like, so don't come and be that. You don't, you've not read the chapter now because that year it was Torah. You understand? Nobody, the Bible was few and far between. The Bible was not seen on shelf. You didn't have an app to app it. You understand? So you just had to wait for your husband who may have been a surrendering or he has been now enlisted into the Pharisees and Sadducees. So he was telling them that, and don't come and be giving revelation that you don't understand. So let the men do it. But he now said that at the end of the day, People took that and made a dogma. And some people will tell you till today. So women preaching in people's ministry. Didn't Paul warn you people? Uh, didn't Paul say it? Now, what they are dealing with is a dogma problem. Because let me tell you how I floor them. How I floor them is, so the spirit of the Lord has gender. Because the spirit of the Lord is what empowers us to do ministry. I don't think he has a preference that, oh, I will move in your life because you're a male, Jeffrey. You raise the dead. If there was no precedence, there would never be a, there would never have been a Deborah. Deborah there showed that when a woman is willing and ready, she can be used as powerfully as a man. So can we put pay to a lot of these dogmas are continuing now? But Joseph got to a point in his life where the best people around him, the closest friends, betrayed him. He became a he became a victim, right? He left his father's house, became a stranger, became a slave in a strange land. You might imagine Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah, they all gathered and said, Joseph, you know, you think you're smart, Joe. Joe, let me tell you how this rolls. Your mom, for the longest time, kept that to herself. But the Lord has sorted that now. And now you want to keep that to yourself. That was all they were thinking about. They said they couldn't speak favorably to Joe. Have you seen all those last born that report a lot? <laughs> yeah, all those last born. They come, please, go and sit down there. So recently, some, some young people were arguing that uh, who, is a, who is a better dancer, Michael Jansen or Chris Brown? No, do you know, their uncle just said, going forward, you will not sit with me again on the table. Go to the room. No more, no more statement. You will not be sitting with me on the table. Go into the room. Now I know how young you are. That's how you're going to speak and reveal it. Hide yourself. <laughs> okay, let's look at so. So this is now a point where Joe was now reconnecting with his brother. And I need you, what I want us to pull this evening is to understand that if you've journeyed through any season of pain, betrayal, I can tell you that healing is not always a linear journey. We spoke about how his life wasn't that linear. Healing is not always a linear journey. Now he meets his brothers and an entire emotion erupts. So we see it here now in in um, Genesis 
42. So guess what? The entire country had, the, the world had gone into recession. So there were no food, nothing. But there was famine and there was recession. So it was double jeopardy. Jacob, their father, called them and said, Sons, I need you to go to Egypt because they're saying that Egypt has food. And then they traveled all the way to Egypt. So if you start from 42, Genesis 42, we see them there from 40, from 5. It says, so the sons of Israel came to Egypt to buy grain along with the others who were coming. For farming was in the land of Cana also. Now Joseph was the ruler over the land. And he was the one who sold grain to all the people of the land. And Joseph's half-brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But hiding his identity, he treated them as strangers and spoke harshly to them. He said to them, where have you come from? And they said, from the land of Cana to buy food. So let's dwell on this for a second. His Joe is meeting the betrayers. So he was sold into slavery when he was 17. He became a prime minister when he was 30. So how many years? 13 years. But because those guys actually thought they killed him. Like their mind had forgotten that there's a possibility of somebody called Joseph. So now God had brought him face to face with the very people that betrayed him. And Joseph, I remember I told you guys on Sunday, why didn't God choose Reuben, the first son? Hebrew was a first son culture. First time, they fire first son quickly if he doesn't have sense. Enter second. So if Reuben was unstable in all his ways, Reuben, Simon is the second one. Simon would have followed but Simon now did not have sense. So, their father profiled all of them. Levi, Levi that became the priest, had temperamental issues. One day, Levi and, and Judah decided to go and kill a village. So, their father had looked at all of them. Nobody said something. The man, the, the man was like, I can't seem to find the, the coat of many colors. <laughs> In all of these ones, he ended up with Joseph. So at the end of the day, they go had to get rid of Joseph. And here is the thing. Sometimes when we teach this, all of us see ourselves in Joseph. Oh, they betrayed me. <laughs> Back in secondary school, they told me that I stole and I didn't steal. But can you for a second pause and reflect if there was any time in your life you had been a, a Reuben or a Simon or a Levi or a Judah? Can you pause for a second and think that you are not Joseph right now? I know that we like to say we are all in Joseph and in Christ but just no we are always Joseph but in our human experience right before you came to drive and became Joseph could there possibly be could there possibly be a past where you were a Reuben where you Judah no but think about it I need us to keep in, in, in mind that some of our journeys too may have inflicted pain on people and somehow they, you just, they showed up and you, you just ganged up and said, she did it, she did it. Somebody was telling me a story of how they go to all these private university where the word of the Lord is strong. And they now went to beach. But the party circulated and got to the school because they forgot and took pictures at the beach. But you know, in beach, things are not meant to be long. You don't wear, you don't wear gown to the beach. But the school found it very obnoxious distraught that they wore bikinis no it wasn't bikinish but it was closer to that so they, they had to they, they had to now suspend all of them 
for being at the beach and disgracing the school and bringing disrepute and degradation to the name. Yeah, oh, well, no, let's not call names. But so this, this person told me clearly that that she, it was so much pain because investigation upon investigation. Who invited the party? Who organized the party? What did it? People were calling each other's name. I, I was I was passing. I was just passing there. So apparently, some were giving mild suspension, some were almost rusticated. Some people got longer based, and one of them said something about her friend betraying her. Yes. Yes. And then you know the without did it was it so after you come back from a suspension, you have to move around with paria, like a paria. So, because the, the, this person was a Christian in choir, and then a hot floating picture with a bikini surfaced in the, in the VC's office, and you were disciplined. So, the next time, after returning humbly to the choir, nobody will be her friend. Yeah. There was isolation and rejection. And you know, because the, in this particular picture, they actually thought that, uh, oh, what a wayward child. Yeah. Yes. So this thing dealt a big blow on her that the person couldn't trust community again. Because at the end of the day, nobody knew who said it. Just like now you said, this one said. This one, another person, it was you that casted the other person. So a whole bunch of friends left school, never saying hi to each other. And carried on because somewhere along the line, it was who betrayed me. So we may have played the Reuben card, the Simon card, the Levi card. But the point again is that as you journey, Joseph had a dream. And the dreams he had that God gave him was that one day he will stand in a place and there will be beauty, there will be order, there will be royalty. He had this dream of royalty. I could see myself to be more. I wanted to be more. And yet he had gone through this tough betrayal. And you know what? Many of us allow the experiences we suffer to betray our dreams. If you know you carry something, you can't settle to be bitter. This guy, uh, if you decide to be bitter, you're also going to think about it now. Jesus, Joseph was legit. Just show up in Potiphar's house. His Spotify is, is around the corner. A Lagos boy, half of Lagos boys would have, that's the, that's the, no, that's the, that's the 300 moments. Nobody, they do, everybody don't, pew, pew. Half the, half the, half the call, everyone don't fall. You understand? Only few. So at the end of the day, some people in these days of Jigolo and everything going on, we're just like, you know, Miss Potiphar, I know Potiphar is old and he's not been doing a good job, but here's how it's going to be. I don't want to get into trouble. We just have to do this thing quietly. But do you know what you consider, a, I call it the pyrrhic victory. It seems like a victory on the surface, but it's a big loss on the long term. The failures of character and integrity doesn't take us that far. We must be a generation that once again will stand for integrity and stand for character, stand for truth. Say no to some deals. I know in Lagos, I am no sharp. Sharp has become the way. Sharp is not the fruit of the spirit. No. It's not the fruit of the spirit. Though. You understand? But the, the way where, the, and some people will be quoting down for you. Didn't Jesus say, be as wise as serpents? <laughs> for your tongue snake. My point is that he, Jesus was never endorsing kickbacks. All of, in Lagos, it's so, it's so complicated. Just one drive, you just see one of your friends. You know, the other day, I, was, I went to drop Jordan in school. God help us. So we are all on learning. So I show up with um, in Lily's car. There's this white car that Lily has. It's so small. It's so, it's so intimidating. No, it's, it's so intimidated. Like, you do, when you're sitting in a small car, like, I don't like small cars. I, I have an ego problem there. I don't do small cars because Lagos, you can't be small cars. The, the trailer will not crush you. 
So is that guy what is driving like, oh God, respect yourself. Oh. Rest. Just one breeze now, you will fall off. So, so I, I really don't like smoking. If you have a big car, oh God, what are you trying to do? You know, although we, should, we, should, we shouldn't be doing that, guys. <laughs> but, you know, I showed up in Lily's school with Lily's school, and then there was this old friend of mine that's been trying to, he just came with one very clean, cool, I was like, yes! <laughs> I was like, what a bad day not to be in a Jeep. And if your Jeep is 2019 or 2009, nobody they do like that. They send people to only those are Proko. <laughs> and Proko, I said, ah, it's like it's all, it's not all seven. It's all something. You understand? But, but apparently, you know, I, I just felt, I just felt myself saying, oh my, this, no, 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 this is not a good day to show up like this. You know, I have to quickly remind the union life. Very, get in shape quickly, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, that was culture trying to claim me, get back at me. We live in the culture of uh, fake it till you make it. So we have to constantly, it's such a pressure life. Again, don't forget what we said. They programmed you to a black man that being who you are is insufficient. We are the ones, all those cosmetic industry, I'm, my blacks, they created it for black. Mary Kay was for, they designed it for you. Because, well, you wanted the two do this thing, you know? They, they just, the black is the market. You understand? My point is that they, 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 first of all, capitalism will create a gap in you and give you a solution. So tell you, you're not complete until you buy Mary Kay. Please, delete it. All right, so Joseph meets his brothers, and it gets more interesting. Let's read further down. We should try and stay on script today. So in 8, Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered the dreams he had dreamed about them and said to them, you are spies, you have come with a malicious purpose to observe the undefended parts of the land. Now, he goes on with this, this grudge in his heart. So it's, I'm saying that sometimes you're healing, there's a face that will be filled with grudge. And don't think God is not healing you. So you're, when you see your stepmother, all the all the bile will just come out. It, it, it's part of the healing. So here, we find him being just unnecessarily confrontational and mean and calling them names. You spies, you've come to spy the land. And this is a man that, for the most part, was a cool kid. Like, oh yeah, he was just like, oh yeah, that's my, please help that one. He was just coordinating the things in the markets. And then he disguised, he changed it for them like they are spies. And they said to one another, truly we are guilty. So if you go to 21, if you read down, 21, it says, and they said to one another, truly we are guilty regarding our brother Joseph because we saw the distress and anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we will not listen to his cry. So this distress and anguish has come upon me. Now, I want you to see what's happening here, that oftentimes the guilt of those who have betrayed is also part of their problem. Now, they don't even know Joseph, but somebody just shouted on them and they now said to the, to the I know it's Joseph, that thing we did is God is punishing us. Now, here is the thing, eh? If you always have to be fair to karma, ended when grace came. Yeah. For us, Christ became the karma of our experience. So he took everything that he suffered everything so that we don't have to suffer it again. Right? So the point is at the end of the day, this man saw somebody rude. And so I need you to make space, hold a space in your mind that sometimes the people that you are intentioned with is not about you, it's about somebody that they have met before you. So you're dating somebody and you said just something little and they said, I know it now. That's how I know I know what you're I know what you're trying to do. 
You understand? I know exactly this thing you're trying to do. You know, I'm an old dog in this thing. And, and yeah, and you're thinking, what just happened, right? You know, at the end of the day, um, I remember a friend told me that if they went to eat with another friend and um, he didn't have his card, the lady, he asked the lady, okay, do you want to pay so I'll transfer to you? I need to change it to stop that rubbish. No, don't try it. Don't try it. Because this thing you're doing, you think I don't know. So that's how I will not start. I will not be paying everything now. I don't start it like this. If, we, if, we don't, if we're not going forward, let's not go forward. I won't start it like this. He said, I don't carry card. Come, phone not die. It's now the phone will die. Please, please, please. No, my point is, she could not even believe. He said he was so pissed. Right? They finally got married, shall They got married. But he said he was so pissed. Do you understand? That how could you possibly believe that I really came to date with not to pay? <laughs> but but actually it wasn't about him she had been through a, an experience where she was kind to the boy cooked for him bought him birthday gifts even his colleagues she would send cake to the office on the birthday send cake and the thing didn't work out so she felt used and the next person is going to suffer for it so you go around with a sense of suspicion and fear and guilt looking into everybody and saying are these the people that are going to remind me of my past? See, first of all, you must understand, you have to learn to forgive yourself and receive the forgiveness that will be forgiving you. We all come to life with some issues, but we are not going to be reduced to those things. So you first of all have to stop X-raying people through the prism of your past experience. Give them the opportunity to be who they are. Not all Ijebu are stingy. One day back. And it's not stingy. Bosha. <laughs> He can do better. Yeah. No, but we, you, you experience, experience that thing that Nigerians have said, you know. And you know, even, even those, honestly, you have to also be honest. They are, they are not all Ijebu are stingy. Let that revelation live with you. Yes. And not all Igbo like money. If you are you breaking the stereotype? Okay. Okay. But we might have to do an opinion poll on that Igbo one. It seems like the revelation is not. No, no there was there was a, there was a weird story that someone said that an Igbo man was in coma for like a whole month, and the Lord restored his life. When he woke up, his wife was there, the old kids were there. The man said, "Why make onion or chop?" Like, who is in the shop? Like. Out. That was he said. Please, please, we cannot be losing two things. I am here, vegetable. You are losing shop. Please go shop. Now we carry, but we carry these things and build them into our experience. The gospel comes to help us reclaim our story and reclaim it from the place that we cannot be reduced to our brokenness. Now, if we, if we help, help a brother. So if we read forty-five, I just want to in the next five ten minutes, let's go through a series of scriptures I highlighted on this. And first of all. Joseph had grief, guilt, everything played out in his heart. The brothers went back home. And if you look at 24, I'll just highlight a couple of those things. So first of all, in verse 21, we see the brothers dealing with their own grief. So Joseph wasn't the one that just suffered the shame. His brothers were also living with a sense of guilt. And that's the mystery of anything divorce. In divorce, nobody's whole. Both partners are torn. 
right? Even the things that are in the middle of them. So you find that if I, whenever a family is torn apart, nobody, nobody's healed. So Joseph was there, hurting, lonely nights. His brothers were in anguish. But guess who was worse? Their father. So I'll take you to his own. So it, Joseph, 24, he turned away from his brothers and left the room and wept. Then he returned and talked with them and took Simon from them and bound him in front of them to be kept as a hostage. He was showing some bipolar things here. You know, he would laugh and say, oh yeah. Then he would cry and he would come and he would say, okay, give them food. And while they're eating, he's saying, no, 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 lock them up, right? Everything was happening to him. So if you are in that season where everything is happening to you, my brother, it's okay. Healing takes time. It's not always a linear journey. It's not like you won't feel anything. Trust me, when you confront your past or when your past confronts you, it will rupture. But the breaking is part of the healing. And oftentimes, have you been to the hospital where you've had like scar tissues? Now, if you've had like scar tissues, because you know that I was in medical faculty, so I could just throw that in. That's all I have to show for it, right? <laughs> so, but if you want to really deal with a scar tissue, it's not always, if you're removing scars, it's not always very tidy. You literally will have to scratch, just scrape it off. It bleeds, but it heals. So our past experiences sometimes can sit on our, on our, on our lap, on our minds, on our soul, on our memories as scars. And oftentimes, if we don't put, take a scalpel to them and try to take away those scar tissues, the, the things that have built false thinking into you, the illusions of separation, the illusions of failure, your past, even if it's rape, all of those things can build into that. So Joseph was there hurting. His brothers were hurting. The scars were deep. And let's go over to their father now. If we look at I think that will take us to 43. If we go to 43. Okay, in 43, he was still going through his own emotions. So 43 verse 26 again. He at this time they had brought um, their younger brother Benjamin, which he had requested for. He goes off now. When Joseph came home, they brought in, brought into the house to present to him, which they had with them, and bowed to the ground. He asked them about their well-being. He was just checking. Then Joseph hurried out of the room because his heart was deeply touched over his brother. He sought privacy to weep. Forty-three, forty-two. He he was weep, weeping. Forty-three. He was still weeping. So for all of the, all those men that still don't cry. How are you going to heal? So now Joseph's brothers were seated before him, the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. He arranged them in ascending order. Yeah. And they couldn't quite feel. I think too many clues. But they were so lost in their own distress and grief that they couldn't process the fact that who was standing in front of them. Me, I think that if I don't see, people have not seen in 13 years, I'll know them. Maybe, maybe you. Maybe he has become royalty. He has grown more beers like mine and everything like that. <laughs> so let's look at 44. In 44, yeah, chapter 44 from verse 19. Again, you find when um, my Lord had asked his, his servant, saying, have you, have you a father or a brother? We said to my Lord, we have an old father and a young brother, the child of his old age. Now his brother is dead, and he alone is left with the, of his mother and his brother. So this was where he had seized Benjamin. And um, Judah was now negotiating the release of Benjamin. So he had seized Benjamin. And it was just erratic. You invited them. You gave them food. They were eating. You put cup inside somebody's cup. They said, like... Baba, 
healing, healing. So he goes on to verse 40. If you come up to 45, then Joseph could not control himself any longer in front of all those who attended. He called out, has, have any, every, every, he had everyone leave me. So no one, no man stood there when Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. Joseph wept aloud. Wept aloud was like a wail. It wasn't like a, like that type of tears, really. He left and, and then, um, when, then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless, for they were stunned and dismayed by the fact that they were in Joseph's presence. Now, just picture yourself, Reuben. Just picture that moment. You're in Joseph's house, the one you got rid of, the one you couldn't stand. Because the way God works is, God will always make an opportunity to honor you even among places where you've been humiliated. So you don't take, when we say we take the battles in our hands, sometimes only you can sponsor delivery boy. Is delivery boy still a thing? Well, back in the day, there was one Twitter account that used to deliver slander and libel. Just give him money and say, please, call them out. They will call everybody. Whether it's true or it's not true, nobody knows. Delivery boy was just running around. For Somebody can just post one that say, Ron's boy or Ron's girl. He's a Yahoo. Delivery boy don't run message. So people are looking for delivery boy all over the place. One time to really cripple him. But at the end of the day, you find this interesting scene here of Joseph meeting his brothers. And what we find in Joseph's heart was love. All the other emotions that was playing out, whether he was crying, he was coughing, he was screaming, he was wailing. The final moments, Joseph chose to give them love. And I need you to understand that you can't afford to be bitter in your own work with love, with God. Bitterness is not part of the equation. Our lives and our heart was never designed for bitterness. So if you're carrying the pains of your past, if you carry unforgiveness in your heart, you're setting up yourself for illness. The, the, the crisis of unforgiveness is that you also suffer. It's not so much that the person you refuse to forgive is there, but you that have refused to forgive, you suffer. So we, we see Joseph showing up here. It's the Christ way. And that's the gospel. The gospel we've been called to live is one that has to embrace people, embrace reconciliation. If you meet the guy who raped you today, what is the reaction? It's tough. I wish I could tell you that this message will tell you, bring tire. Although today I found myself fantasizing that I, I could really be a good president. Yes. Because I was told that somebody wanted to tar road. And some people block and say, don't tie this road, pay us first. All of you are going to jail. All of you, that night, and it will be five years. No, if you don't do that, people don't have sense. Do you know, even this Alpha Beach new road, one time, Chevron wanted to tie it. Some boys came and said, settle us, settle us. And they have, now they are suffering, they refuse to do the road. They say, they should go to jail. But So there are things we'll deal with. We'll love them, but the Lord will take his course. So we'll now, we'll now visit them in jail and sort things out. Right? And give them some word and, and bread and break and bread and wine and do some communion. Right? But they need to be taken. They, they need to be no No jail jail for fool. I'll build more prisons. But guess what? Don't lose sight of the fact that Joseph is a typology of Jesus. If you look at the life of Jesus, everything Joseph suffered, he suffered. First of all, who betrayed him? You know, the religious people did. Like the church of the day, 
gang to up together and say, this man has twisted the word of God. This man is a heretic of the highest order. This man said he's one with God. How could you claim to be one with God? This man that healed on the Sabbath day, how could you heal on the Sabbath day? This man that was hanging out with unlikely people. Remember that woman that was caught by the, uh, the woman that was caught, that was caught with the issue, uh, was caught, caught with uh, adultery. What did he do to her? He forgave her. He forgave her. Yes. And guess what? Just as if it's not enough, we find him again by the waterside with a, with a, with, with a Samaritan woman. And guess what? She's a whore. She's a whore. Yes. She's been with five men. I was with his sis. He was even trying to be the seventh. Oh! Yeah. No, you think he's tidy. And let's not even forget that, you know, you know that boy wasn't Joseph's son. He wasn't Joseph's son. Mary said she had some pregnancy from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, they give Bella. Well, so she said. So, Think about everything they would have lumped upon him, right? They hated him for how he loved. That he didn't keep people out was why they had to take him out. So if we now call ourselves Christian, but they know us more for what we hate than what we love, are we playing the Christ card? Are we playing the, the, the Reuben card? The Joseph's card is that in the moment reconciliation prevails, I choose to see my union with you. I choose to reconcile myself to you. I will not hold you to the claims of my past. Did I go to prison on your account? I did. Did I suffer pit on your account? I did. Did I go to uh, the Potiphar's wife kick me out because I had no business being a slave? If you didn't get me out in the first place, it happened. But I choose to forgive because you must make a choice to forgive. Is the way, the higher way. I call it the better angel. So if you and I will be defined by what we hate, by how we choose not to forgive, the gospel has failed. The gospel comes to challenge us for radical unforgiveness, radical forgiveness. See, today I want to challenge you. The list, the laundry list of those that have offended you, set it ablaze. For to hold them to a past is to hold yourself back. Joseph saw them and he threw himself. He, he, did he, he was it tidy? No, but he embraced them. He even gave them nice BQ. You understand? Move them, all of them, and say, go bring your family. And in Genesis 50, verse 20, it says, All you meant for evil, God turned around for good. I've come to realize that you can't build if you are someone who is unforgiven. You can't love right. You can't trust right. Your life will be filled with like a horror film. Because at every point in time, you're, you were never designed to carry unforgiveness. You were never designed to carry hate. You were never designed to carry pain. You were designed to live in union with God. And because God has come to dwell in you, all that God eats will flow through you. Think about the picture God gave us concerning the, the He spoke about a tree planted by the rivers of water. You are like a tree planted in the Christ. So if you're planted in Christ, all that flows from Christ flows through you. Hate doesn't flow from Christ. If it's not found in Christ, it should not be found in you. So today, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your best friend, put a call through if you can. Because this is also part of the breakthrough. Some of the prayers we are seeking answers for is just a call away. And sometimes what we are seeking that it will come through prayer might come through forgiveness. We don't understand that everything is a weapon. Even forgiveness is a weapon. So Jesus, when they stood down there, guess what? People call God the killer. But on that cross, what was he saying? When he was confronted with his betrayal, when they framed him, they called him Beelzebub. On his head was written Satan. They killed him that he was Satan. How do you kill God calling him Satan? So all the, you know, when T.B. Joshua died, I found myself a little in crisis. Crisis was that I never quite gave him thoughts beyond what the media wrote about him. And I just never had the chance to and then when I started to see some videos and read, I just crossed myself and said, could this man really just be... Because I, I, I just didn't understand. I just, could it be that he just may 
be struggling to do the, what God has given to him. He has his flaws. And somehow we all stand by casting the stone one after another. Because our generation will cast the first stone. We forget that the pole in our eyes are just as hard. If Jesus has asked you now, will you cast the first stone? We cast it every day with the comments we write, with the tweet we retweet. The stones you cast when they are not in the room, can you stop that? See, gossip has destroyed cities, destroyed marriages, destroyed society. Yet, many people, many Christians indulge because they don't know themselves. You have to reframe yourself from participating in things that can pull people down. You can't strip their tunic. You are not called to strip people's tunic. You're called to put it back on. So when I meet people who are, although I have my moments, you know, some days when I'm conscious of it and I have patience, I always know that I have to leave you better than I met you. What is that thing I will speak to your life? If I find that you're fractured and you need confidence, I will find a way to build that confidence into you. And remind you of who you are in God. You and I are called to reflect Christ. Remind people of who they are in God. Dreamers cannot afford to be bitter. You were never meant to be bitter. You were meant to be better. Everything you went through was not meant to destroy you. It was meant to strengthen you. Today we can celebrate Joseph because he forgave. So I want us to close our eyes and just reflect. Tonight, I, for me, it's really about what is that thing in your heart that has ripped you off in such a way that it's heavy. You can't let it go. You can't just trust again. You can't just love again. Every experience for you is pretty much, it's just all about you reflecting over the past. You can't get stuck there. You don't belong there. The things that have caused you pain, was it a church that hurt you? You don't need to get stuck there. Was it even family? You can't get stuck there. What they meant for evil, God turned around for good. So Father, tonight, I just pray that you would open our heart, let your love drill again into every space, drowning every unforgiveness, every part of our being where unforgiveness may have taken root in our hearts. Father, we're praying that you would separate it today. Give us the grace to heal, the grace to let go. Make that your prayer. Father, give me the grace to let go. And I'm humbly sitting down here and saying, Lord, if I've played the Reuben, I've played the Sibon, I've played the Levi, times in my life where I had to pull people down or just do something that I've made them lose opportunity, lose a job, lose a spouse, lose, lose a relationship because you didn't work in wisdom, you didn't season your tongue with grace. That Father, today we're asking that we also ask for that, that we want to know that we are forgiven, but we extend that forgiveness. So, there is a measure of healing that we need to also pray for in our land because when we talk about unforgiveness I, I really think on a level Nigerians are living with secondary traumas because of a lot that has happened nobody has prayed for healing people went through civil war no closure people are going through marginalization no closure there's tribalism there's ethnicity so father we're praying this evening for the nation that Forgiveness and healing is not just a personal experience, but it will also become a national experience for us. We are praying that everyone who have suffered injustice at the hand of SARS or lost a loved one or be betrayed by the country, so that today we are praying for that healing. We are praying that we are joining our faith, joining our hands to speak healing to Nigeria from the ends of the earth, from the lens to the breath, 
We, we are praying, Lord, that healing will flow in the land. We're speaking to mothers that have lost sons. We're speaking to fathers that have lost daughters. We're speaking to parents that have lost their children. We, we're speaking that, Lord, you will perfect your healing and establish your forgiveness in their hearts. That, Father, never a day will they linger in the place of brokenness, but you will completely and totally strengthen them. And, Father, today we're praying for revival of love in the nation that love will find its way into every part of our being find its way into every city into every state into every region and father let your love drown everything that is wrong about us we are waking to the fact that we are deeply truly loved by you and we belong to you i just want us to sing it softly Sweet and sweet, sweet and sweet, sweet and sweet. 
we're closing now. But I just feel I could take like two questions in the next five minutes before I wrap it. Sweeter than any ocean, your love goes on and on and on and on. Higher than every mountain, your love goes on and on and on. Guys, these songs are so beautiful. I mean, we'll do another playlist and share. But is there a question somebody has you want to share? Okay. Yeah, so you talked about, um, you gave an illustration about this, the lady that went with her first date. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you talked about how she responded to when the guy... Yeah. So, my question is, um, so how do you deal with that? Um, uh, what would I? I don't know what to call it now. Like to avoid such experience from happening again. I mean, you're saying we should give the person the same um, to give the person um, space to a uh, benefit of doubt or something. Like, how do you deal with that to not allow it to happen again? You know, I think we have to all learn to extend grace um, to one another. I, I've come to realize that some people, um, everyone is working a journey of healing. We just don't know it. Um, and knowing, not, knowing now what we know, that we, if somebody, if you had a first bad date, um, it doesn't mean the end of the friendship. It doesn't mean the end of the relationship, really. I think it's important to have conversations. And I think as you get to know each other and talk about it more, you find out why. Um, but what I'm actually saying is, don't take, you know, the people say your first impression, it's very important. Sometimes the first impression we picked out from people are their traumas. And we can't reduce people to traumas. We must understand that God is healing and completing things in their lives. So yes, first impressions are important, but unfortunately, not everyone is whole enough to give you a fantastic first impression. But yet, we are called to extend grace. Right? So extend grace is what I would say. Um, if there's somebody who has who have hurt you, behind every serial killer sometimes is a, a twisted person who just have never managed to heal and became the monster that they are. But God comes to heal us. He comes to restore us from every toxic past. Last one. Yeah, Ada. Ada, you see now, I know the name easily. You talked about um, be, um, uh, bitterness in terms of okay. So for me personally, in terms of bitterness, she said that um, she always tried to forgive people and all of that. So for example, if like if something like did something really bad to me that I can't take, my own way of dealing with things like that is withdrawing from the person. I don't know whether that's even if I'm forgiving the person, I don't just want to, like I don't have you don't want to deal with person. that. So but then people always say that then that's not forgiveness. So how do you deal with things like that? Because for me, I would I would not want to be there. I think the litmus test of forgiveness is not about whether you return to the person, but how you feel when the person's name comes up and how you think about what are your thoughts around that emotion when you're alone. So if it's still provoking you feelings of pain, some people, some people will hug you and they will still be around you, but deep down here, it's still dark. So I know that Christians will advocate, um, we go back and, you know, it, I don't know that yeah I don't know that they, so for me it's when you are don't keep any ill feeling towards the person even when the person names come when it comes up don't say ah please pass so those emotions are showing that there's still a bit of work in progress 
but am I going to recommend? I don't know the scale of the work. The reality is that some people are really trauma machine. Yes. And the chances that you go back and they inflict you again is possible. So they, they are healing. Let them be joining. They should be joining. They should be joining, yeah. So the point is, it's not um, whether it's your dad or your mom, you have to somehow manage the communication so you don't get beaten again. But I would say the Holy Spirit comes in here to help us. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you and say, even if that person has betrayed you, reach out. Right? And you just feel the urge to reach out, reach out. Because he's the one leading you. So we're not called to be led by psychology. In as much as I like psychology. But it's not sufficient enough to lead us. Right? Let the Spirit be our guide. Amen. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, please chip in. Do you want to say something, doctor? You have heard spoken. Praise God. I just want to point out something that helped me with um, this issue of forgiveness. And that is Kenneth Hagin's book on Love the Way to Victory. It's, it's something which I believe every Christian should read. It, it has an exceptional power of reframing your thoughts around love and forgiveness. Yeah. Amazing. This is one last thing in the, in the world. We can't emphasize that love and forgiveness is the way of the kingdom. On the cross, all Christ prayed is, Father, forgive them. So today, may that God's forgiveness of you be evident in your life. And may you give yourself the gift of self-forgiveness. Because sometimes the hardest people to forgive is yourself. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.